so far in about a month, over 100,000 downloads, weekly active users around 60, 70K that have KYC'd on Binance. So it's like real users. And in a world of airdrop hunters, right, finding the real people is extremely valuable. You guys have to be one of the busiest L1s in the Polkadot ecosystem. Uh, Space Monkeys blasting off with Kenny Lee, the Chief Mantalorian, here at the Manta offices in New York City. Kenny, welcome back to the show. It's uh, very good to have you here. Hi, thanks, Jay. Always happy to be back and, you know, just chit chat. A lot has happened since uh, we last saw each other. I think that was yeah. in November we recorded. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I think we were recording in the lobby of the hotel I was staying in at that conference. Yeah. Uh, which conference was it? I forget. Yeah, me too. SF. It was in SF, right? Yeah, yeah. It's something a star. Maybe it was in SF. Were you at SF? No idea. Okay. All right. The hell of the year. Yes. <laughs> all <a> blur. <laughs> now we have zero knowledge assets roaming around the Substrate ecosystems. Uh, yes. You're onboarding tens of thousands of users. Yes, it's exciting, overwhelming, nerve wracking, uh -huh. tingly feelings all around. Yep. Maybe it's numbness, but I don't know, you know, <laughs> right. the good and the bad. I mean, first thing was the ZK signer. It used to be a desktop app, but yeah. it actually yeah. allowed us to privately move assets around Kusama. When we first started with, you know, our testnet products, yeah. um, we were actually debating between whether we should do a, um, a desktop application or a in-browser signer. Um, and originally we went with the desktop application because, you know, with zero knowledge proofs and building these circuits and these provers, one of the big bottlenecks is performance. Um, and so regarding performance, you know, ultimately that translates into for the user, how long they have to wait for a ZK proof to be generated. Okay. And so at the time we were doing internal testing and benchmarks and stuff for the browser side, it took about like one to two minutes just because, you know, there's, there's certain limitations for the browser's access to the CPU and all this other stuff. But without going into details, the point is that the browser based, um, solution was much slower than a signer based solution. When we first released our signer, the first version of it could generate a proof in about 30 seconds, mm -hmm. which at the time we were like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but, uh, at the same time, right, we continued to kind of do R and D continue to innovate on the ZK side. Um, and we were able to get that number down from 30 seconds all the way down to two seconds. And so that was really cool because that meant that, you know, the ZK generation was no longer a bottleneck for the performance on like writing ZK on give chain. Give us a benchmark here. What are, what are other products? Uh, what's the time to generate? Yeah, like 20, 30 seconds, right, okay. uh, possibly faster. It really depends on the circuits. You know, a circuit is basically just a, a, exactly what the zero knowledge proof is supposed to privatize. Um, some things are more complicated, some things are simpler, and the simpler things are, the faster it is. Um, mm. But you have to kind of balance that because you don't want there to be sort of vulnerabilities. But anyway, the mm. point is that, like, you know, when we were able to bring it down from 30 seconds to two seconds on the signer, yeah. that was really amazing. But we were also able to capture that sort of innovation and move it over to the browser side as well. And so now we're able to generate on the browser signer also around like 10 to 15 seconds, which isn't, you know, entirely comparable to the signer side, yeah. but it's enough for like users to start, you know, using it in a user 
I used the word user several times in that sentence, but the point <laughs> is like, it. it's easy it. to use, a yeah, lot yeah. easier to use, a lot faster than before. And it made the browser extension actually practical. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, after the testnet release, shortly after the testnet release and then the mainnet launches on Calamari, mm -hmm. um, we started to transition over to the browser. And uh, the browser obviously brings a much better user experience. Everyone's already used to browser extensions. You don't have what you feel may be invasive as a desktop application. Um, and so overall, you know, like people are more comfortable with it. And so the desktop signer in total, I think we got about like 60, 70 K users um, downloading and using it on the testnet. That's crazy. Yeah. Right? We're, we're, we're on the testnet? Yeah. Where did they come from? Mm. That's a really good question, right? Because yeah. like you would, how many users do you think are in the Polkadot ecosystem? If, I don't know what the total amount would be, but yeah. I'd say the daily active users probably around like three to five thousand. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, but at the time, right? Testnet when we launched our test nets, right? This was back in like you know uh, 2022, and that was like a totally different time sure. than it is today. True. Um, yeah. So there were a lot. There was a lot more activity in the markets in general. But now, right, like if we were to launch a signer and ask people to download a desktop application, I'd say the friction is probably very high. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's another reason why we launched the wallet. Um, the wallet has a great sort of UI because it allows people to manage both their private and their public assets. Yeah. So it's kind of like an all in one. Mm -hmm. We launched that with uh, a few other sort of mainnet products. Uh, and so far, in about a month, it's gotten over 100,000 downloads weekly active users around 60 70k uh -huh. um, people are just like using the zk sbts uh, we recently got mentioned by that one mobile wallet i mysis or missus mm -hmm. um, that offers like mobile based chrome extensions I have to look into this um, yeah, I, I just saw it on your Twitter today. Adam. We we saw it. We someone from the community sent it to us and said, "Hey, do you see this?" And then I was like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And we we're reaching out to them, and now we're gonna have a call to discuss, uh, you know, potential collaborations. It's one of those things where it's like, why hasn't anybody done that before? Like, what what did they overcome that and nobody else could? The the mobile browser, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It's really interesting because like I I did see like um, the the Chrome extensions having a huge bottleneck in adoption because of a lack of mobile support. That's right. And so yeah, I'm surprised that it took so long. And I'm really surprised that Chrome browser wasn't the first one to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So um, 100,000 downloads of the extension already in a month. Yeah, this is in part, uh, thanks to the much larger networks you guys have been serving with this new ZK SBT product. Yeah. So let, let's 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 uh, unpack that a bit. SBT is soulbound token. Yes. Right. Exactly. So uh, how are you uh, applying the zero knowledge tech to the SBTs? You know the the zk SBTs. Honestly, just to kind of start off, it's it's such a cool product. Um, and and I'll t uh, I guess I'll explain why. So yeah. soulbound tokens, right? Like they're they're very largely. Or I guess for um, a quick explanation for anyone who doesn't really know about soulbound tokens, it's just like an NFT, except you can't really trade it. Um, it's just stuck with you in your wallet address for eternity. Hmm. Um, which in theory is a great thing because it's a great use case for identity, right? And so you can put in certain attributes about yourself or certain actions that you've done on chain, attribute that to that specific wallet. Um, but in practice, it becomes a little trickier because, for example, um, 
Binance on their their BNB chain. They issued something called a Binance Account Bound Token, a BAB for short. And so the Binance Account Bound Token was specifically issued for <clears throat> users on BNB chain that have um, that have KYC'd on Binance. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, so it's like real users, right? Like people who are actively and and you can you know hopefully they're good actors as well. They've been successfully KYC'd. Hmm. Um, and so now these users on BNB chain have a BAB, mm -hmm. um, the Binance Account Bound token. Uh, and so theoretically, you can use that to go KYC or proof your KYC in other applications, right? So if in the future, there is a decentralized exchange that opens up and they're like, you know, we don't want just random people. We only want, you know, the good KYC actors um, right. or good KYC actors, just mm -hmm. KYC actors, mm -hmm. um, you know, like they, they theoretically could use that soulbound token. But the problem is that if you want to prove that you own that soulbound token, what do you do? You connect your wallet address. Once you connect your wallet address, now I can see all your cryptocurrencies, all your NFTs, every other transaction you've yeah. made, right? And you don't want to you don't want to reveal that. Mm -hmm. So that's where the user friction comes in for these types of soulbound tokens. And so when we launch the zksbt, we essentially offer the same value proposition that a normal soulbound token does but with the added value of privacy, right? And so now you can verify that you own a particular soulbound token. You can verify that you're KYC'd on Binance, but you don't have to reveal your actual Binance wallet address. You don't have to reveal all the assets that you have within Binance, right? And so that resonated with a lot of users. Sure. So yeah. how does that look like uh, when you actually apply this? Uh, you want to prove to an application that you have been KYC'd by Binance. What does that look like? How do you present this credential. We wanted to build around the entire sort of user experience, not just minting the ZKSBT and then like good luck, right? Like right. we also have a lot of tools for developers and applications to make it very easy for people to verify their ZK credentials. The primary tool here is the proof key. And so this is, um, without going into too much detail on the technical side, essentially what a proof key allows developers to do is they can now enable people to verify their ZKSBT ownership without having to connect their Mantle wallet, without having to, you know, connect any sort of wallet. And so it's a completely walletless experience. You just scan a QR code and it can verify on your behalf. And so mm -hmm. that allows people to verify ZKSBTs ver and, and actually use the application without having to think about Manta Network, right? And so it really puts us in the background, mm -hmm. but we're powering all the privacy credentials there. Okay, and uh, are there any applications of this yet? So you've minted a bunch of these soulbound tokens, but is anybody using them yet? There, well, one, you know, in terms of like the, the minting side, definitely, right? Like yeah. we've gotten about um, to date, um, probably by the time that this releases a lot more, but to date um, around 130,000 mints. Um, and so out of those 130,000, um, I'd say currently about 80, 90,000 of them are KYC verified. So those are like real, real people. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And in a world of airdrop hunters, right. Finding the real people is extremely valuable. Holy. Um, yes. And so like the, that's on the minting side for the, for like building up the user, the audience. And so the other question is like, what about on the application side? What sort of applications are adopting these? So we've been bringing on a lot of ecosystem projects mm -hmm. um, in various different chains because, you know, our, our modular privacy system for ZKSBTs means that we can support various different chain activities. And so we've got uh, projects on BNB chain, we've got projects on Arbitrum, we've yeah. got projects that are building as just purely Web2 mobile applications, and they're all adopting 
the, the, the ZKSPT verification system. So in the next few months, you know, I, I anticipate we'll be seeing a lot of these sort of verifications on different applications. How are you dealing with um, paying for these transactions? I mean, obviously you're not giving everybody KMA, right? Right. Well, I mean, for now, because it's like a sort of an early adopter sort of program, mm -hmm. um, we are incentivizing by um, by supplementing the gas fees. Okay, so you're right? paying for it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. But like because so so this is the the other beauty of it, which is kind of why we went to build uh, our own layer one network in the first place, yeah. right? And so. I don't know if you've ever used Tornado Cash before. Um, I've I've played around with it in the past just to kind of you know understand a little bit more about the privacy space. Uh, this is you know before the sanctions and everything, um, and the um, the the gas fees, right? Like it was like anywhere between fifty to two hundred dollars to do a round trip sort of private transaction. But on um, Calamari Network, for example, and 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 on Manta Network as well, because we've built our own layer one network and we've been able to optimize all the things from the UTXO model all the way down to the ZK circuits, a private transaction on K Calamari, when I, I posted a tweet about it uh, when I did it a while back, it cost a fraction of a fraction of a penny. Right. Right. And so the amount of KMA it takes to cover the gas costs of a private transaction is significantly okay. lower. And so in that case, right, like we're able to subsidize everyone's, you know, uh, minting, not for the purpose because people are like, oh, it's too expensive, but because people are like, oh, where do I get KMA? Exactly. That whole process. Yeah. Exactly. So Fantastic. it all goes back to, to the user experience side, right, from the minting where we supplement it with the KMA for the gas fees to the uh, the verification on the application side, making it as easy as possible for people to just verify. So trying to make everything as dead simple as possible. You guys have to be one of the busiest L1s in the Polkadot ecosystem. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe. I mean, as far as transactions go, right? <laughs> if you have all these people minting, this is a transaction every time yeah, on I'd your chain, right? Um, yes, yeah. yes. I'd say that right now for the past couple of weeks, we see anywhere between like three to 10,000 daily active users. Fantastic. Yeah. What's the BNB community like? What's the Arbitrum community like? And how do they compare to the Polkadot users? It's really hard to sort of generalize. Yeah, um, sure. Because, you know, you, you, you see the same sort of um, characteristics in all different ecosystems, but okay. maybe different ratios. And I think the ratios kind of change depending on how much you scale out, right? Especially with like, what I mean by that is essentially like, you know, with Arbitrum, for example, they're just recently launched tons of airdrop farmers and all that other stuff. And so airdrop farmers, they're not super technically inclined, right? right. They're not gonna look at all the technical details and ask you those probing questions. They're more high level. Um, but on Polkadot, I think that lots of people are very technically inclined. I think that the conversations are, especially on the, the engineering level, go a lot deeper, right? Mm -hmm. But that's because people really understand the technology behind Polkadot. And I think like that's one of the really core values of the ecosystem um, that Polkadot has done a really good job of. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, like the, the whole focus on the engineering and development and not really on like the all the other aspects, right? Like I, I do think like it's built a culture around that that sort of like technical hacker style approach. Yeah, and the building is just on a different level, right? Like when you when you build uh, on EVM, right? You are building smart contracts, um, and you're deploying smart contracts, and you're deploying you know um, the the front end applications on top of that. When you're building on Polkadot, right? It's like 
you're, you're building the network, you're sustaining your network because you are an L1. So you have to think about the DevOps side and the uptime and you have to build in the runtime and all this other stuff. And so it's a, it's a little bit different. <laughs> Has life changed here in the office now that you have tens of thousands of users? What's the overhead <laughs> dealing with all these, <laughs> all these people? Um, physically in the New York office, nothing much has changed. Okay, no, okay. like still seeing the same faces, still saying uh, people <laughs> still work from home and all that other stuff. That, I guess great. I meant more about business. Has business changed yeah. with all these new users? Yeah, the, the, the operations, yeah. yeah, certainly has. I think it's very much with like all components of scaling out some sort of um, project, whether it's in the Web3 space or not, right? Like a a company, for example, with 10 employees is very different than a company with 50 employees is very different than a company with 100. A company with 10,000 users is very different than, you know, someone with 100,000 users, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, we, we, we've been dealing with a lot of sort of growing pains. And I think uh, we're adapting pretty well. I think as a team, our culture is very sort of um, agile, responsive. And so on the on the team side, right, like, uh, we need to think about how we scale up the team operationally. We're about like 50 people right now, right? And so that it's a lot of people to manage, right? Yeah. Like uh, five people, everyone's on the same page. We're mm -hmm. all sitting around the desk. We all know what's going on. 50 people, how do you make sure everyone knows what's going on, right? right. Different operational processes. Mm -hmm. Same with scaling out users with a thousand users, right? Like you have a bug and you get a few sort of tickets in and you can address those like very succinctly. Um, you, you have a hundred thousand users, uh, all of a sudden they're probing everywhere. You get all these sorts of weird bugs that you never knew existed or possibly could exist. Some are only happening in random circumstances. Um, and now all of a sudden you've got like, you know, a, a thousand, two thousand tickets of which, you know, you have to prioritize and categorize. Right. And so like yeah. out of these 1000 tickets, maybe 500 of them are all the same thing. Mm. Right. And so you have to sort through that. You have to sort through the, the prioritization and, you know, all this other stuff. Great problem to have, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. it's awesome that you guys are getting adoption for your products by going out to the networks that actually have users. This is not something we see a lot of. L1's doing in Polkadot yet. Yeah, I think um, it kind of goes back to sort of first principles for us, right? Because like, on the one hand, we just spent about two and a half, three years building out this really awesome technology. Um, but on the other hand, if no one uses it, right? If a yeah. tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, right. does it fall? And so now it's all about, for us at least, it's all about productization. It's all about user acquisition. And so mm -hmm. we can get very creative about how we do this user acquisition. And I think like with the ZKSBTs and the way that we're positioning them and the way that the other L1s and L2s are receptive about them, I think we found a really strong product market fit to scale out with. Okay, yeah. soulbound tokens, it's going really well. What else, yeah. what's, coming, what's coming down the line? How else can we apply uh, privacy? in the on-chain world? Yeah, so um, there's there's a few different things that are in the pipeline right now. We have a lot of sort of internal products to also kind of bootstrap the ecosystem. And uh, one of the other things that we're looking at is how to expand the ZKSBT use case beyond just verifying, for example, a specific activity on-chain, uh, more so into proving assets, right? Mm. So. And this kind of crosses into like the, the traditional space, even in and outside of the internet, right? So for example, uh, if you're applying for a loan, um, banks wanna see your assets, banks wanna understand exactly what you own and what you don't, right? And some are starting to actually accept crypto assets as you know 
proof of your actual net worth. Nice. Um, but the problem is that, you know, how do you prove it? You have to give them your wallet address. Mm. And so, <laughs> you know, like on the one hand, yeah, you want them to see your assets, but on the other hand, right? Like you don't want them to know your address for eternity because that's your, you know, bank account essentially. Right. They or, could really make a risk profile, for, you know, if they did know your exactly, assets, everything right? you've ever done, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's your entire history. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of, scary but yeah. um so what we're building out is further productization of the zksvt for uh, proof of asset verification and so now you can prove your assets that you own on chain whether it's on polka dot whether it's on arbitrum or other networks whatever it may be so without having to reveal your wallet information without having to reveal all this other stuff and so these Ooh. these proofs are also time stamped Ooh. and so you can't take a proof from like 10 years ago and then be like, see, these are my assets, right? Like you're probably going to want to generate a proof that's timestamped for the past 24 hours or so. So proof of assets. And then um, thinking about how we can build more sort of um, general activity liquidity in the ecosystem through like a decentralized exchange, right. um, building out um, other products and services for people to just start leveraging private assets. Um yeah, so, I wanted to talk to you because the, initially it was the Manta Pay. That was kind of the first product. Yeah. How's that going? And is it still just substrate-based assets or can we start to get other ecosystems as well? What does that all look like? Yeah, so um, currently it is still substrate-based assets. Um, Manta Pay is already launched in Calamari. Um, and we are working with uh, bridging systems as well as other parachains right now to start introducing um, you know, assets outside of the, the Polkadot ecosystem into Mantapay as well. Hmm. I'm not exactly clear on the timeline of introducing the assets outside of Polkadot, but it's something we're actively working on. I would expect something probably by, uh, by mid to end of summer. Okay, cool. How about within the Polkadot ecosystem? Do you see any uh, applications, uh, you know, at home uh, in Polkadot? I'm especially thinking like the governance. This idea of being able to vote. The voting, the the, the crowd loans, um, mm. right? Like these are just like native on-chain for Polkadot. Um, but then also on the parachain side, specific use cases, right? That could be uh, leveraged with ZKSBTs for potentially more enterprise-sided um, applications, right? Especially on the enterprise side, you, you do want to prove good actors, right? Uh, when you're thinking about institutional finance and all that stuff, you, you, you don't want to mix money. Right? You don't want to mix assets, and so you want to make sure that there's some sort of gatekeeping in that component without having to, um, without having to compromise user privacy. So I think like there's a there's a huge use case there on the parachain side, on the um, and specific use cases within each parachain. And you guys have so much going on; it's wild. It's uh, it's been wild indeed. Yeah, uh -huh. just trying to figure out how to prioritize things. It's amazing what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. In the middle of it all, you're about to launch Manta Network. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So what's that look like? And what, what does that do to Calamari? What happens to Calamari? Well, two things, right? Like one is, yes, we are in the middle of launching Manta Network. We're, um, we're extremely close. We're finishing up um, our audits right now. Mm -hmm. We've got um, three different audit services looking at various components, right? Some are more so focused on the circuits, some are more so focused on the front end, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're getting those reports in. We're obviously, you know, going to address all the major issues and all that stuff before launch, but everything's looking very good right now. 
And I think that our our team has been very high caliber in terms of the code that we're outputting. And so I think we're, we're pretty close to launching. Uh, what does that mean for Calamari Network? I mean, I, I mean, Calamari Network is still existing as its own ecosystem. I mean, all the ZKSBTs right now that are being minted are being minted on Calamari. And so that's so they'll, not really- They'll stay there? Yeah, yeah so that's okay. not really going anywhere. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it'll be two different ecosystems. I think, um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out. Awesome. Well, yeah. you guys are be beacons of light in the ecosystem. You know, I think, really? uh, well, yeah, I think a lot of L1 should be looking at the strategies you guys are employing. And um, thank you. Yeah. Very to serve users. Yeah, exactly. That's at the end of the day, that's all it is, right? Like thinking about user acquisition, user experience, making it as dead simple as possible, and yeah. then, then finding the product market fit. Awesome. Easier said than done. It was really nice talking to you today. And thanks for inviting me to the office. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Jay. Appreciate it. And thanks for your time. Talk to you later.